Hello, welcome to the Charity Impact Podcast, where we aim to help you increase your charity's income and impact by sharing the experience and expertise of our guests. We love to hear from our listeners, so please do continue leaving reviews on your podcast players and engage with us on LinkedIn and Twitter. I'm Alex Blake, your podcast host, and I'm joined today by Anne Fry, CEO of Eating Distress Northeast, who shares her experience from the first 100 days of her first charity CEO role. Welcome to the podcast, Anne. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, good. <laughs> good, good. And so we're going to be discussing your first CEO role and what you've been doing in that sort of first few months or so. But I wanted to start going back to your previous role. You're in a deputy chief exec role at VON, which is like the regional infrastructure charity for the Northeast for people outside of the region that are listening. I think everyone in the Northeast will probably know who they are. Interesting sort of role to have. So I just wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit first, just to get an understanding of what type of role a deputy chief exec is and what sort of things you did there. Yes. As you said, VON is the regional support body for the VCSE sector. So as that, it has quite a broad and wide ranging brief. So as deputy, I um, led the projects and partnerships team and the function of the organisation. So that was the sort of internal stuff around staff management and leadership, but really trying to spot gaps in the sector support and thinking about what challenges the sector is facing and how best Bonn could respond within projects and partnerships. So it's quite, I think, an unusual deputy role because often they tend to be internally facing, but it was that, but it was also very externally facing as well. So it was a lot of representation at networks and um, forums and obviously deputising for Carol, the CEO, when, when she needed me to. And it had a sort of business development income generation function as well. So it was very broad. No two days or hours or meetings were the same. From one minute, I'd be talking about Shared Prosperity Fund in the Tees Valley and then digital inclusion and then supporting organisations to understand safeguarding. It was incredibly varied, like the sector itself. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, it's it's not a role that you see at many organisations, even larger ones. Often there's kind of just the chief exec and then various sort of directors, senior managers. So what made you decide it was time to make that step up into the chief exec role? I was really happy at Vaughn. Vaughn is a very special organisation and the team are fantastic and it does great work. So I wasn't actively looking to leave. And, and to be honest, I wasn't actively looking for a chief executive role. I was thinking about what would the next step be and potentially thinking about what sort of organisation it might look like. But I'd um, moved into the voluntary sector from a previous career in higher education and cultural management. So years and years ago, I worked at the Royal College of Art in London. I'd done a long time at Newcastle University working around architecture, planning and landscape and doing a lot of projects there. And then when I made the move into charity sector, I started as one's marketing and communications manager, but then at the same time had frontline role in a sexual violence charity. And I really miss that frontline charity, mm-hmm. although I loved working at Vaughan. I missed the immediacy and I like to be close to the ground. And I like to be in an environment where there's people coming in and I think in a therapeutic environment as I'm not a sex therapist myself, but I really enjoy that working environment and I enjoy the challenges that that presents as well. So so when I saw the job 
come up at Eating to Stress Northeast. Everything I read about it, it just felt right. It felt like the, what they were looking for in terms of the skills and experience was something that I could bring. And I did a bit of due diligence and asked around and people seemed to think that it was an organisation doing really quality work, but there was a huge amount of potential in the organisation. It felt right. I feel like you should plan sort of meticulously for the small stuff in life, but sometimes the big decisions, you have to go on instinct. Yeah, you have to go with your, with your gut a lot. It just felt right to me that this would be a great next opportunity. Yeah. And so describe the CEO role at Eat and Distress Northeast and just give us a bit of a picture of the organisation, like what sort of size of team and income, what type of services is it? Yeah, so it's a small but growing charity. So turnover last year was 255, but we've been increasing income every year since 2019. We've got five staff and then eight counsellors and some sessional counsellors as well, but we're still recruiting. In fact, I'm recruiting later on today for more counsellors. We've been recruiting for counsellors since I started in the role and we deliver counselling and psychotherapy to people aged 16 and above who are experiencing eating distress and eating disorders. And we use the term eating distress because we'll work with people whether or not you've got a medical diagnosis of eating disorder. We basically work with anybody who has a disordered relationship with food. So we're a mental health charity and we work within health prevention. So hopefully by that early intervention, we can put in place some measures that will support somebody in recovery and to stop their eating distress from progressing and getting any worse. We work to raise awareness of eating distress. So we have an education and training arm. And we work with people and organisations across lots of different sectors to help them understand and respond to eating distress. That's quite a, quite a broad range of work, isn't it, for a, a small organisation? Yeah. So what did you do first in the role? What did that sort of first couple of weeks look like and then planning forward for the first kind of few months or so? So I did my homework and before I even started in the role, I was speaking to the outgoing CEO and meeting with the chair. And I read a really good book called Your First 100 Days by Nebo Keith. It's not charity specific, but it's a bit of a framework for what to do with your first 100 days as a chief executive. And I did set myself a little action plan around three themes. So vision and strategy, people and teams and results and deliverables and sort of looked at what I might want to do in the first sort of 12 months. And obviously that changes when you come into the role and you're hit with the reality. but it gave a really good framework for some of the first and early conversations. And then when I started in post, I asked all staff, I met with all staff and trustees one-to-one -one and asked them the same three questions. What do we do well? Where can we improve? And what do you want from me as a chief executive? And that wasn't my idea. I got that from the internet somewhere, but I can't remember <laughs> where. But it was really useful. It was really, really useful. And I think the fact that the staff were all so open and honest was really valuable because it gave me a really clear framework on what the priorities were internally and externally. So using those two things, I sort of set myself my own little work plan and target that were for me to work towards in my first sort of three months and mm. routinely checked in. And with those three questions that you asked everyone and you you asked presumably the sort of 13 employed staff, was it the sort of eight therapists and five five organisational members? 
how similar were the sort of responses? Like, did you find it quite varied or did you have like really clear themes of like everyone was saying the kind of same things around this, is what we're good at, this, is what we need? Yeah, it was, there were clear themes around what we're good at is the work, the quality mm-hmm. of our work, the way the staff support each other, the training offer, what needed some improvement was maybe some of that infrastructure and some of the processes and procedures. So for me, that was brilliant because I can do that. I could bring all of that. And actually the staff have been fantastic and the culture of the organization is really good. So I think as an incoming chief executive, that helps me enormously because for me, it's more about putting the scaffolding in place so that people can thrive and doing that around sort of HR and finance and policies and procedures and just building that infrastructure in the organisation so that we can grow because that's where we want to go next. There is unfortunately a huge increase in need for people with eating distress, especially children and young people. So we need to be able to try and meet that need. Please excuse this brief interruption. I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast and to ask a small favour. The whole point of the podcast is to help people working for social impact by sharing the experience and knowledge of our awesome guests. Please can you help by letting people know this free resource is worth a listen. A great way to do this is by taking a few seconds to give us a rating in your podcast player. You can just click the five stars and that would be amazing. Or if you could write a few words to say what you like about the show, that would be even better. The link ratethispodcast.com slash charity will take you to the right place and show you how to do it. That link again is ratethispodcast.com slash charity. If there isn't a rating option where you listen, you can always give us a shout out on social media. Thanks for listening. And what do you think that increases? We've got a sense of why that need is increasing. Is that to do with social media influence or other kind of societal issues or I think it's varied I mean eating distress and eating disorders and mental health conditions so underlying them is poor mental health and I think certainly amongst children and young people COVID had a big impact on people and that sense of isolation and loss of control but um, I think that we work with what's going on under the surface. You know, our therapists, our counsellors and psychotherapists will work with people about what's going on for them. And that could be recent events, but it could also be childhood events and experiences of abuse or violence that underpinning the behaviours and eating distress and eating disorders are a manifestation of what's going on under under the surface. That's interesting. It's not something I know a great deal about, really. So, um, yeah, it's interesting to learn that it's actually not necessarily about how you feel about your body and your relationship with food and stuff, but actually it could be something, you know, much deeper sort of mental health issues. And that's just how it's kind of manifesting. On a completely different note, what's the sort of senior leadership team look like? If there is any, I know in small charities, often it's like there's the chief exec and then there's the frontline staff and there's not much kind of support around, like what's that look like at your organisation? Who are those sort of five non-therapy staff? So the leadership team for Eating Distress Northeast is myself and Rachel Cowie, our counselling lead, who, as her title suggests, sort of leads the counselling team mm-hmm. and is responsible for the services. And really, we work together to think about the delivery, but also the development into the future. Rachel has been 
with eating distress northeast for about four years, I think, and started as a counsellor and recently taken on the counselling lead role since I've been in the chief executive place. We're a new leadership team. Mm. So does she manage the therapists and then you are looking after everything else pretty much in terms of the all the sort of non-delivery aspects of running the charity? Okay, so that work that you did when you first got in, then you looked at that sort of framework that you got from the book, you spoke to all the members of staff, and then how did that help you to develop a new sort of strategy or plan? I think from those things, clear priorities emerged. And then I also spoke to everybody who'd had any contact with the organisation. I think as a chief executive, as a new chief executive, it's really difficult because you're being asked to make decisions about an organisation that you don't really know anything about. And obviously, you bring in your previous experience and knowledge to the role. But for me, I find it useful to get a sort of understanding of what everybody else's perceptions are, and then I can make up my own mind. So whilst I was in the role, these priorities emerged. And because of the amount of change that Eating Distress Northeast has been through, so I mentioned Rachel's new in post, I'm new in post, we've got a new chair, we are trying to move premises because we've outgrown our current site. So there's quite a lot going on. Um, So what I've done is put in place a 12-month strategy that really focuses on stabilising and strengthening the organisation rather than trying to run before we can walk. And then throughout this sort of 12 months, we'll start looking at maybe a three-year strategy. But really, there's sort of four key areas that we're looking at at the moment around organisational resilience, data and theory of change, communications and fundraising, and income generation. Yeah, so I suppose that that makes a lot of sense in terms of the work being really strong and then just making sure you've got all of those foundations in place and then you can think about moving forward beyond there. I suppose there's, there'll be some kind of growth plan, no doubt, once you've done that first sort of 12 months or so and got things in place. What sort of support have you accessed in that time that you've had so far? Have there been any sort of formal or informal support networks or mentors or coaches or those sorts of things? Yeah, so I, um, both, uh, a formal and, and informal, I've joined something called Ella Forums, which is a national sort of leadership development network but there's a northeast chapter and it's an action learning set sort of group so that's really useful you can bring challenges work through them and actually even if i'm not talking about my challenge i learn something from everything that's being said in the meeting but also yeah building your team building your support network in fact when i left my previous role my my then chief executive gave me some really good advice around, look, don't be afraid to ask for help, whether that's from your board, from your staff, from your peers and your support network. And I think you can fall into the trap of thinking that you're supposed to know everything or that you can't show the things that aren't going quite so well. And I think some of the best advice I've had when I've spoken to people who are more experienced than me, and I've sort of shared something that I'm I'm experiencing, I'm finding really challenging or that hasn't gone well, and they come out with something much worse. <laughs> they sort of talk about, you know, these sort of war-weary, battle-scarred CEOs who can tell you their horror stories. And it just makes you feel so much better and reassured because it is just the job and it's just the way that you approach it and the way that you deal with it. And I've been told by more experienced people that, you know, it takes two years before you feel like you've really cracked it, which is 
reassuring. Um, I'm a bit impatient, so I'm not sure mm. that I can. Uh, yeah, it's but it's good. It's good to be reminded to slow down um, and take your time because I think it's easy to sort of think about all the really exciting things you want to do and all of the pressure that does come in the role and take it too quickly. And, and you know, that's when people start to feel the strain, I think. Yeah, and potentially where people make mistakes because they're too keen to kind of get on and try and do new things and maybe don't necessarily have the have done the sort of homework as to whether that's what, whether it's beneficiaries or supporters or funders or whoever, whether that's what they want to say. Yeah, I always say, like, let's do do it well, not quickly, because oh, yeah. sometimes you do need to take your time over things. And when people say that it takes two years to crack it, what do you think they mean? Is that, that in terms of getting to grips with the role of CEO, or is that more about understanding the organisation that you're coming into, or a bit of both? I think a bit of, a bit of both. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you need to be in a role for a year before you've sort of seen that sort of cycle. But I suppose it's the little bit of imposter syndrome, the bit about feeling that you understand the team, the services, because it's any organisation, even a small charity, there's so much going on. There's whole bits of the organisation that I haven't fully understood yet. I've only been in post since October, so, but but that does take time. And what what have you found most helpful from that sort of support that you're accessing? Both that formal and informal support I found enormously helpful. Knowing that there's a handful of people that I could contact and say, I've got this specific issue. Can you please spare an hour so that I can just talk through it with you and share your advice? I think that's really useful. So building your support network. But I feel I've benefited enormously in this role by having been a trustee, I think being a trustee is a really useful insight because firstly, you're building contacts and networks and you understand how different boards work and the dynamics of different boards. And, you know, every organisation is different. Every board's different. There's a lot of learning that you can share between organisations. So I found that really useful. Oh, yeah, I think that's good tip for people to get trustee roles people that are working in the sector because i think there's there are far too many boards that don't have anyone that actually works in the charity sector on them and so apart from anything else from that perspective i think the more the more charity members of staff we can get onto charity boards the better is there anything else that you'd recommend for people apart from those resources you've already mentioned um for people who might be in that sort of first ceo role or another charity leadership role or or thinking about kind of developing in their sort of career? I think definitely, you know, the trusteeship thing. I think building your network and reaching out to people and not being afraid to feel vulnerable and ask for help. But also, I suppose it's about thinking about yourself as well and taking care of yourself and knowing when to stop and when to slow down. I think that's really important. Is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners any requests you might want to make any final tips to share well as i've mentioned we are looking for new premises <laughs> so <laughs> we do have some options but if anybody knows of a building suitable for a counseling service with ideally three counseling rooms then i would be very interested to hear from you in newcastle in newcastle or gateshead or gateshead yeah you know. Do you need to be sort of in the centre or does it not matter so much in terms of where you're based? Just about being accessible. So as long as it's near public transport links for the, the people who use our, you know, use our services, 
yeah, that would be ideal. <laughs> yeah, cool. All right. Well, thank you. That was a really interesting insight into those sort of first six months or so in the role and look forward to seeing what happens over the next year or so. Thanks, Alex. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Charity Impact Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time and attention. I know how precious a resource time is. I hope you enjoyed the show. If I could trouble you for a further two minutes of your day, I'd love to hear from you. You can leave a review on your podcast player via ratethispodcast.com slash charity. You can engage with us on LinkedIn and Twitter, just search Charity Impact Podcast, or search Charity Impact Podcast in your browser to find our website where you can email me directly and you can subscribe to our email list for the opportunity to submit questions for me to ask upcoming guests. You can also find all the show notes and the previous episodes and links to resources that our guests have recommended. Until next time, take care and thanks for listening.